Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Should Say This Out Loud. My name is Donna Brandel, and I am your host. Thank you for tuning in for Season 2, Episode 3. And today I'm going to talk about my response to my diagnosis of autism. Later in life, I was in my mid-40s. This is just four years ago, so you can do the math on that if you want. I've known that I was different since I was a little girl. I've always known that there was something different about me, but I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And I was not bothered by it. I was a happy little girl, but at the same time, I I knew there was a mystery about me. Like, why am I different? What's different about me? I didn't really ask anybody this. I just kind of kept it tucked away and wondered it to myself in my head and observed people all the time. That's what I did was observe people and try to figure out life because it didn't seem to make sense to me. Like people, other people were doing things and talking about things and I didn't have things to say to join into the conversations. So when I learned about autism, it just started to click and make sense that, oh my goodness, that might be the answer to this big mystery of my life. And the more I learned about it, the more it made sense and the more it fit. And I did, you know, the online questionnaire that you can do. And then I um, saw a doctor, I saw a neuropsychologist and was formally diagnosed four years ago. But my research began probably at least 10 years ago, even longer, maybe more like 15 years ago. And the more and more I learned about it and realized that it made sense to me and my brain and the way my brain functions, the more of a relief it was to me to know that there was an explanation and I was not upset by the explanation. It was a relief because it helped me to understand how my brain is different, but how, it's not different bad. It's just different. And there's, there's, I mean, there's some ways that I struggle, but there's also some ways that I excel that a neurotypical person might struggle with. For instance, uh, my ability to focus for a long period of time on one thing or on a task and get that one thing accomplished. Now, it has to be something that I'm interested in. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't have that focus. But if it's something I'm very interested in, I can work on that for a very long time and get a lot accomplished in a short amount of time. And my friends have told me that they would like to have that skill. <laughs> so I was very relieved to learn about my autism diagnosis. I was also so curious. I love to read. I love books. I love to research things at the library, online, just purchasing different books and um, reading through them and then making connections between different authors and different ideas and even between topics that don't seem to relate. So I just did all, all sorts of research and my sense of wonder grew about um, how our brains are formed and how our brains can be different and how our brains now we know that our brains are plastic and they're not like set in stone. They're not concrete. They're not unchangeable. They are so changeable and flexible and can grow and learn. And it's um, never too late to improve your brain. Thankfully, 
I, I just love that knowledge and that ability to keep growing our brains all of our lives. Obviously, we can't grow our brain as much as when we were younger. That's the ultimate time of brain growth and um, neuron connections firing. But it's still possible even as we grow older, thankfully. Um, my sense of joy increased because with the mystery being solved, now I can look at life with new eyes, with that wonder and with um, the emotions of joy in enjoying what I'm learning about myself and enjoying the adventure of answering all these questions and even enjoying people's reactions because it's such a little known topic and it's so um, stereotypical and myth ridden. <laughs> There's so many misnomers and misconceptions that people have about autism and their reactions to me are quite comical, which I'm going to talk about in another episode. But I do enjoy hearing the vast array of responses that people have to my diagnosis when I do share it. I don't just announce it to everyone, but when I do share it, it's, um, it's joyful for me to <laughs> see the responses. Oftentimes I don't say anything because I'm in my still awkward mode of communication and learning how to respond to these conversations. But I kind of um, study the reactions and log them away and I'm learning to process the reactions and then respond when I feel like it. I don't always have to respond. It depends on the person and the situation. Um, my response also is shyness because I've always been shy and quiet, not, not knowing why I was different. And at the same time, now that I do know the difference in my brain, it, it can make me more shy because I, I know the misconceptions that are out there. And I know that it could be an awkward response or people might think that um, I'm a completely different person than they've known all along. They might just describe all sorts of things to me that are not true. So I might just be shy about it and just not say anything. And it's made me extra watchful. I've always been on guard and watchful of the situation and the people that I'm around. Um, just growing up in a traumatic household. And now that I know what to watch for, um, I'm not necessarily watching for danger or trauma anymore. Now I'm watching for how to learn from other people. How do neurotypical people respond in situations? And how can I learn those behaviors and adapt them myself? Um which is kind of a double-edged sword because part of autism is masking and I mask a lot. I've always masked because like I said, I knew that I was different, but I didn't know why. So I would always try to fit in and I don't think my masking was always successful because <laughs> people just inherently knew I was different even when I was masking. But now that I know, I am trying to unmask and be my authentic self, which is awkward and um, difficult at times. Sometimes it's fun because I know I'm going to surprise people when I'm just myself. Um, but I'm just watchful of, is it safe to unmask in this situation or do I need to keep the mask on right now? I'm also extra introspective and I've always been introspective and analytical. It's just the way my brain is wired. I love to um, pay attention to situations and even culture and topics in the world and think about just, I like to think, 
I like thinking. <laughs> I, uh, I like to think inside my brain more than I like to interact with people, which is one of my struggles. It's hard to interact with me about ideas, even though I have so many ideas, I can't always get them out of my brain and use words to have a conversation about it with someone. So I'm even more introspective than I was before. Knowing more information, more knowledge gives me more things to introspect about and analyze. And so I can find myself getting just really stuck in my head and not engaging when I could be or should be, even at social interactions, holiday parties, going out with friends. Um, I just like to watch a room and observe and pay attention, find out what's safe, find out what's happening, learn new social tricks that I could use <laughs> if I would ever use them. I need to get out of my head and actually use the social things that I'm learning. Hmm, Working on that. My response to my diagnosis was just more and more and more research. And since I, my diagnosis more recently, you know, four years ago, as opposed to 15 years ago, when I first started researching, books was really all I could, could use and maybe some internet articles, but there wasn't a lot of articles back then. But now there's, you know, um, all the podcasts and blogs and YouTube videos that, that are out there. And I found a, a bunch of people that I really love to watch and pay attention to. My favorite is Orion Kelly in Australia, which I'll talk about him a lot probably. Um, he's just so informative and a great communicator. And I love the way he puts his, his information together. Um, and I'll name some others along the way, but he's top of my list and my favorite. So I had to mention him first. And I'm continuing to do research, still reading books. I'll never stop reading books. I shared one with you in my first episode a few weeks ago. I've been buried under years of dust. I finished that one now, and I will be referring to that more in the weeks to come because there's so much good information in there. One of the favorite books that I found a while ago, this was, this is an older book by Temple Grandin. She is one of the first um, advocates of bringing about autism awareness. She has written a lot of books and she is an amazing communicator as well and an amazing researcher. She has put a lot of research into the autistic brain. And that's my favorite book by her is The Autistic Brain by Temple Grandin. And you can see how worn it is. I've read it a lot and marked it up a lot. And she cites a lot of research projects and scientists and ideas in her book. So she talks about how the brain has been looked at by the scientific community in, in terms of autism as bad wiring versus good wiring. Um, bad wiring in the autistic brain, good wiring in the neurotypical brain. And what she is finding is researchers and scientists who are saying, no, it's not good or bad. It's just different. I love that. Um, but she, then she talks about creativity and how because our brains are wired differently, we see things differently than the neurotypical brain person with the neurotypical brain sees them. She, so she is talking about a brick and how to be creative with a brick. You have to see the brick as not a brick, but as something completely foreign. 
Um, so let me just read this paragraph that she here is talking about a brick on page 131. I think that bottom-up, details-first thinkers, like myself, are more likely to have creative breakthroughs just because we don't know what we're doing. We accumulate details without knowing what they mean and without necessarily attaching emotional significance to them. We seek connections among them without knowing where they're taking us. We hope those associations will lead us to the big picture, the forest. But we don't know where we will be until we arrive there. We, we expect surprises. I so relate with so much of that paragraph when she talks about looking at things differently and not understanding them. There's so many things that I don't understand in the world that most people do. And I oftentimes won't ask what it is that, you know, that they're talking about that they're understanding that I'm not because then people will ask me, well, why don't you understand? And then we'll have a whole conversation about my brain instead of the thing we're trying to understand. So instead I just observe and pay attention until I glean enough where I can understand. But I like her idea of how it's okay to not understand things because it gives you a different way to look at those things in a new way and you can use information in a new creative way that hasn't been thought of before. And when she says we expect surprises, that resonates with me the most out of that whole paragraph because I expect surprises all the time. I am surprised all the time because I'm learning new things all the time and light bulbs are going off in my brain all the time. And thankfully, um, I have hopeful expectation of surprises and, um, and positive expectations of surprises instead of negative. I know there's I've gone through a lot of trauma and I understand that trauma changes how you look at things. But at the same time, I still have hopeful expectations for the things that surprise me because I think it's just because I choose to and I have a strong faith and that helps me to keep uh, the unknown in a positive light and um, looking forward to finding out answers with a positive spin rather than a negative. I think that's really important. And I don't know if that's something you can teach someone with autism, but we can certainly model it for them. And with all of the struggles that, co that come hand in hand with autism, I know that can be harder to do than say but important to remember and keep in mind because even when even when we don't know something that the general population knows it doesn't mean that we're not curious about it just because we haven't asked because i'm curious about things all the time that i don't ask about um so just remembering knowing that people with autism want to learn and understand things and may struggle to communicate that desire, they may and oftentimes do still have that desire. And to keep the interaction and the conversation and the exploration of that idea in a positive light, will that always helps me to keep pursuing that knowledge. Because when things turn 
negative and uncomfortable, then I don't want to go down that road anymore. I don't want to pursue that knowledge anymore. It helps me keep going in learning if the people that are helping me learn are positive and encouraging. It's just not always easy, and I understand that. So if, if, if you can choose to be positive while you're helping your loved one or your family member or your friend who has autism, you can help them choose to be positive as they're going through the journey of discovery and learning this mysterious life that, that we don't inherently understand as well as the neurotypical population. The last thought I have about my response to my autism diagnosis is um, a concept that I call recalibrating. Recalibrating my brain, recalibrating my memories, recalibrating pretty much my whole life. It's something that I've always done when I learn, um, you know, say something about a family member that I didn't know about, I'll remember, remember, and rethink about all of those interactions, all, all of the interactions I had with that family member over the years with that new piece of information in mind. And it helps me um, have more empathy and compassion and understanding of that person. And so when I'm recalibrating this new knowledge about my diagnosis for my life, it helps me to have a new compassion and empathy for myself. I've spent a lot of time recalibrating my brain and my life and my memories around this diagnosis for the past 10, 15 years. And it's been a, quite a journey, very enjoyable journey. And now I'm excited to share my thoughts with you and the things that I've learned and hopefully be encouraging to those of you who have autism and those of you who are a support person or a family member or loving partner of someone, someone with autism. And um, I'm just out here saying things out loud that are on my brain <laughs> and practicing doing that with you so that I can do that with the people in my life and so that you as well can do the same. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 20 minutes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my channel and like this episode and share it with your friends. Thank you so much.